Hello and welcome to the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Chris Dawson from sportspredictor.com. Chris, thank you very much for coming on. Before we get into this episode, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at BettingPod, and check out the website, businessofbetting.com. Guest suggestions are much appreciated. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Betfair Proprietary Limited. Betfair operates a betting exchange and is licensed in the Northern Territory of Australia. Residents of Australia can join Betfair by visiting betfair.com.au and support this podcast by using promo code BOBPOD. Please gamble responsibly. So thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Chris Dawson from sportspredictor.com. Chris, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. So, Chris, tell me a little bit about your background and, I guess, how you got started in this space, in the, in the betting world. Well, it started at a very young age when I was, I would say, 14 years old. My brother and one of his friends began to run parlay tickets for a local bookmaker where I grew up in Morgantown, West Virginia. And um, one night they brought him home. And I found them laying on the counter and started asking lots of questions as a as a young sports fan. And, uh, of course, they, they agreed to allow me to, to play one of their parlay tickets. So that's kind of how it all got started at, a, at the age of 14. I um, started playing parlay tickets and uh, wasn't too long after that. Within a couple of weeks, I was actually um, taking those parlay tickets to high school and handing them out and got involved in, in that side of it. And I um, started placing bets probably a couple years after that at 17, 18 years old. And by the time I was able, uh, was turning 21, I was on a plane to Vegas for the first time and have pretty much been involved ever since. So do you remember as a teenager, did you think that sports betting or betting in general or parlay tickets was going to be a major part of your life moving forward or was it just a very small side little hobby that you had going on um no i i, I jumped in jumped in with two feet actually the first parlay ticket i ever played i uh, hit a seven teamer seven teamer parlay paid i think it's like 40 41 to one or something like that don't remember any any wins after that but it, it immediately uh engulfed my life and and um as an avid sports fan, as a youngster, it was uh, eye opener to see that you know there was a, a lot of money involved in sports other than just than just playing. So, ever since then, I, I've pretty much been gambling on sports uh, for the better or worse. How life might have been different had you not hit that seven teamer, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it definitely. Um, I, I, I think I still would have found my way uh, into the industry at some point, but. I think also getting an early start, you know, I'm, I'm sure other people maybe have started dabbling at a younger age, but I think starting then was um, definitely uh, to my advantage. Just, you know, experience definitely pays off in the long term. And uh, as we know now, betting uh, 17 parlays isn't, isn't a way to make a living, but it was a, it was a start. So tell us a little bit about 
you know, in your early 20s, you're heading out to Vegas, you're betting a little bit more. What was that period of your life like from a betting point of view? It was very frustrating because as an uneducated better, you know, the odds are kind of stacked against you. So I remember going to Vegas at, at 21 and, and uh, as the first experience, I was off to a, to a hot start for a couple weeks and things fell apart very quickly. And for, you know, probably the next 10 years after that, I had a lot of problems uh, figuring out how to win and the mentality that you need to be disciplined and successful in this business. So it's been uh, it's been a long road to figuring out, you know, how to how to actually profit consistently predicting the outcome of sporting events. So when you were in your first phase of betting in Vegas, did you know at that time it was stacked against you, as you said, and the odds certainly weren't in your favor, or were you just figuring it out as you went? Well, I, I thought the exact opposite. I felt like I, I grew up watching sports and studying sports and, of course, had a chip on my shoulder that I knew more than everybody else and um, was able to look at the board and easily identify uh, what I wanted to do and how I was going to win. But that certainly was not the case. So what switch did you flick to be able to start thinking about, okay, this isn't working or I'm not going to win long term? What type of transition or progression towards becoming a positive expectation value better or trying to win in the long term? What were some of the things that you were able to do throughout that transition period? I think one of the biggest turning points was was finding a mentor, um, finding other people who were involved in, in sports betting uh, and profiting from it, uh, rather be as a bookmaker or as a gambler, and really seeking out those people, studying their habits, what they do, listening closely, and more importantly, taking notes and beginning to develop my own system of playing based off of what other successful people were doing in the industry. How easy was it back then to find a mentor? Well, this actually didn't happen then. It took uh, many, many years, and um, it, it took a long time. But I, I did finally um, find two people uh, who were very helpful and very open, and one of them actually was a bookmaker. Just listening to him talk about the failures of other bettors who were you know, on his roster that he would uh, take bets from uh, just learning and listening to what they did that made them unsuccessful and trying to avoid those things was was probably the biggest the biggest lesson that i was able to pick up from from them sounds like you started out figuring out what not to do as a starting point yes uh exactly that that's exactly what it was and i think the the biggest turning point was Money management, of course. Um, I'm sure other people feel the same way, but in the very beginning, basically would be betting off of emotions. You know, how much I would bet on a game or a day, depending on how I felt for the day. And then to find out that, you know, that's the number one reason um, in my experience of where people go broke, get frustrated, get behind, and then find themselves scrambling, um, trying to win everything they've lost back over you know rather that be over weeks months or years uh in a day or a week and getting very loose with the money listening to bookmakers 
I guess a good way to put it is they basically laugh at, at how betters will uh, run up accounts, uh, continually to press and bet more and more and lose, or how they go into the hole and continually bet more and more to try to get out of the hole. And to, to hear from the inside that that's the number one way that they um, make money off of losing gamblers is, is simply playing off their emotions. So you talked a little bit about you know, taking notes and listening and, and finding successful habits as well as trying to develop your own system or your own approach. I'm guessing it's probably pretty easy to just mimic what you know, smart people are doing, potentially winning bettors are doing. How important is it, though, to develop your own ideas and system, and how easy is that to do as well? Well, I, I think it's, it's, it's uh, absolutely necessary. Uh, for one, I've never found anyone who would give me 100% of the information that they have, uh, and especially in regards to how they break down games and how they handicap games. And I also am certain that you know, as as a whole, the industry is ever evolving, and so are the sports books. So it's imperative to continue to work on your strategy, develop the way you handicap games, uh, keep the things that are working, and then be able to identify what's not working and exclude them or replace them with things that are going to be involved in your strategy to further your profits and, and keep you more consistent. So throughout your 20s, were you doing other things? Were you working full-time? Were you studying? Were you were you betting a lot of the time? Tell, tell us a little bit about what you had going on in your life throughout that transition phase. Um, I've always been an entrepreneur. And, um, of course, I've worked for other people. But most of my successes um, outside of sports betting have been um, starting my own businesses and things like that. So that that's what funded my, my losing years, of course, was uh, – income from other places and i think that that was also one of the downfalls was i wouldn't say i had an unlimited bankroll but there was no bankroll management no no money management i, I would bet what i could uh, afford to lose and um, not having to i guess feel like there was um having to win had a lot to do with my mentality and my betting style at that time I did a lot of different things in my 20s to, to earn money. Unfortunately, sports betting was not one of them. It was actually pleading funds. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tell me a little bit about when you're transitioning from the losing years, as you mentioned, to more to the winning. Was it a, a moment? Was it a month? Was it a season? Tell us a little bit about how that came to you that, hey, I might be able to do this full-time or, or long-term or I'm hitting on something here that might be sustainable. Uh, well, probably in about 2011, I had a meeting with my accountant at the end of the year for taxes. And as he was going over, going over the books, he was asking me, you know, what, where's all the money? And I, I explained to him that uh, it wasn't just sports, sports betting, but I was also dabbling in uh, stock investing and day trading and things like that. And I had had a rough couple couple of years, and it was starting to catch up to me. And um, he asked if I had a gambling problem, you know, once I explained to him uh, what, what else I do other than just uh, run my business. And at that point, I, I, I really had to sit down and decide if this was something that I was going to continue to pursue. Um, some people would, would consider things like that, you know, having uh, 
compulsive, addictive personalities, but it was more of, it was just something I was enthralled in and, and, and really wanted to figure out, um, because I had a love for it. You know, I, in a way I was doing it to, to chase riches and, and make money, but I also just really enjoyed breaking down games, um, trying to predict the outcome of the games, but him asking me, you know, do you have a gambling problem really caused me to, to, to sit down and, and decide, was this something that I was just doing to chase fun, um, have a better way to enjoy the games, or was it going to be something that I was going to be profitable at? Because to be profitable in the sports betting industry, I believe that you have to treat it like any other business. And from the time I started up until about 2011, I didn't necessarily treat it as a business. And when I say that, there was no business plan. There was no money management plan. And him asking me that question had me really have to sit down and ask myself, um, is this going to be a problem in life or am I going to be able to turn this into something that I can do that's going to create solutions for you know my financial freedom uh, heading forward. So that's that's probably about the time when I really sat down and and decided that I needed to not just learn, but also apply the principles a lot of of what I was taught um, years before from some of my mentors. And also to really dive into reading, studying, and and taking this much more serious. So at that time, I did the exact opposite of what you know the people around me thought I should do, and I decided to shut down all other business activities and put 100% of my focus into into sports betting. And I think that that was really the tipping point was to do, figure out a way that I was going to be able to do this and be happy and also make money. And I would think that, that, that that's, that's when things really changed. Wow. That's a very candid response. I appreciate, I appreciate that. I, I would imagine many people in their life have either experienced a similar moment in time where they had to make a decision and many would probably opt for the full-time job less gambling approach i would imagine many people might have thought about trying to put 100 percent into being a a winning sports better during that period of reflection and maybe self-assessment what changed from there on or what were some of the things that you put in place from an approach standpoint or just systematically i would say that what really made it a changing point is once I decided that this is what I was going to do full time to make a living and I put everything else to the side and got out of other businesses that I was involved in, there was no more financial security net. There was no, there was, there wasn't any, well, I can continue to lose money doing this because something else is paying for it. It got to the point where the money that I would, use for my bankroll was much more valued to me because it couldn't be replenished anymore. So at that time, it was like not having a net underneath of your, you know, the, the rope that they walk across in the circus. Um, 
So it really came down to drawing a line in the sand and deciding that this is what I'm going to do. I have the tools and the capability to do it. It's just staying disciplined with the money and treating this as a business. And, of course, coming up with a business plan that would be executed and not just talked about. Where did you find the inner confidence that you could pull this off? I'm guessing your accountant probably thought it was a bad idea. Maybe your family and friends probably said it's not the most optimal idea. You know, generally it's, you know, the mathematics on chances of success are probably against you. But what drove you to be able to think that you could uh, you could be successful? Uh, it was just my love for it. Ever since, you know, at the age of 14 and playing that four, first parlay card, at the age of 21 and my, my first trip to Vegas, it was it was just always in me that I had to figure out how to make a living doing this. I, I just could not shake that. And as, as we mentioned before, the accountant and some other family members and family friends um, really felt that it was my demise and it was it was my biggest weakness was sports betting. But I would go to work during the day, do whatever I had to do, and in the meantime, any extra second I got, I was researching games, planning on my bets, and it almost seemed like the rest of life was getting in the way. In terms of the business plan and what goes into that, is that just a one-page sketch or on the back of a napkin type thing, or did you really sit down and put a lot of time into what you want to do on the handicapping side, what you want to do on the betting and bet placing side and then also you mentioned a lot about money management were you crafting a a regime for want of a better word that you were going to stick to or what did that look like yeah, well I, I i didn't advise it in a day i i sat down and began to set um a list of rules that i would personally follow and then of course i had to continue to adapt that and i still continue to do that to this day and for me, in my experience, money management was by far the number one issue. All the way, probably until about 2011, 2012, I never had any money management system at all. I was, you know, your average recreational better. What I would bet on a Monday night football game would, you know, I would tell myself and I could convince myself that it was, you know, because of how much I liked the game compared to last week or the week before. But the amount that I would bet would be based off just of my emotions of the day. Um, meaning if I was in a very, very vibrant and confident mood, then I seem to like the game more and more and would bet more money. And, of course, sometimes if you're just not in the mood and it should be a time when maybe you just pass on the game completely, I would still make a, a small wager. And that there was just no rhyme or reason for what I did and why I was doing it. And what I would find out is the same thing, you know, the same would the same ending would happen every time, and that would usually be um, back to zero. And and there was you know there was no plan. That's not how any normal business would run. You know, it's not how a, a, a pizza shop that wouldn't be their financial plan was. We don't know how much money we have. We don't know how much money we're going to spend on this. So let's go out and sell pizzas. Tell me a little bit about how it how it went from when you devised the business plan and started putting it into operation was it a smooth uphill curve or was there plenty of ups and downs and then how did it play out in the first couple of years uh, there was 
that there was definitely ups and downs, but they weren't nearly as volatile as before. For the simple fact that I set aside a certain amount of money, and that's what I was going to use, and I came up with a money management system and a handicapping system at that time that is inferior to what I do now, but it was also much better than before because before I, I had no plan at all. So just to start even the process of treating it like a business and and going through the planning and trying new things was was the start to success. And then over the years, and like I said, I still continually to adapt and, and change things, not so much on a day-to-day basis, but um, maybe going into NFL season, there, there are some things that I'll do this year that are slightly different than last year. And, you know, I'll see how the season goes. And I, I, I really like to go hundreds of, of plays, rather be just in one sport um, or in one league uh, before I make any changes, because you really want to see things kind of come full circle uh, before you jump the gun and continually make changes every day or every week. Because sometimes, uh, just because of variance, kind of want to see how things play out before you continually make changes. So the first couple of years from 2011 to 2013, um, I was changing some things about my money management and my um, process of handicapping games on a monthly basis. But through that trial and error, I've gotten, gotten better. And now the changes are much more subtle and spaced out uh, in regards to time lapse. Tell me a little bit about your approach to placing the bets. Obviously, you've done the handicapping. You might have assessed what type of uh, bankroll strategy you want, and you now you're placing bets. Do you just place them at your associated number, or do you watch markets keenly and try and time things? Or tell us a little bit about that approach. I, I think it is very important uh, to time your bets, of course, there there's times when you want to get them in as early as possible, and there are other times when we're waiting closer to game time. It comes with experience and being able to, just like just just like predicting the winner, is also predicting how the market is going to react, um, so that you can get the best number possible and understanding line movement. Um, to coincide with that, I I don't always have to wait for a certain number to hit before I will or won't place my wager. And that depends on the sport, you know, in NFL football and college football, there are key numbers. And if it moves uh, across the key number, then there's a possibility that that needs to be there. You know, some of the value has been taken away and it needs to be basically wiped off of your board and, and, and passed on. But I also, um, I'm not blindly betting just on market movement. You know, I, I, I do handicap the games from a fundamental and technical standpoint and I'm not just line movement hunter. So, you know, there are times that, you know, for NFL, it's right around the corner. I'll be placing some bets on Monday or Tuesday for the following week. And there's other bets that I'm not placing before, you know, an hour before game time and the anticipation of line movement, not so much because of what the market dictates. So there's a lot to cover when you're talking about being a professional better across the handicapping, the bet placing, money management, and figuring out the bankroll situation. Have you identified any traits that you or others have had or do have to be able to do all of that, especially when we're talking about 
you know, not a syndicate or not a team of people, are there things that stand out over your years that you've seen that uh, are associated with potentially being able to win long term? Yes, and I, I, I think it's checking your emotions. You know, at the end of your emotions is nothing. So if you place a bet and you win and you're happy, that happiness ends and there's nothing there. If you place a bet and you lose and you get angry or sad, that feeling also passes and then there is nothing there. So the number one skill that it, I believe it takes to be profitable and happy doing uh, what you're doing in regards to sports betting is all about your emotions. You need to really be emotionless uh, during the good times and the bad. In my previous experience, um, getting very upset or mad during losing streaks and losing control of money management was was a, a huge downfall. Uh, I've also learned at the over the years that not just about money. But when you become so enthralled in this and you're spending, you know, 10 to 16 hours a day doing this and especially during the downturns, it's very important, just like any job, not to bring that emotion home and put it on your family and and have it be not just a negative in regards to your day or your week or your your bankroll, but also not to let it bleed into your personal life. Have you found ways that you can work on that? I'm guessing it's not a static or fixed skill set. Are there things that you do or you've seen others do that help augment that, I guess, trait or that ability to suppress certain things or augment other things? I I think it's very important to, of course, track all of your plays. And if you are successful at this and you are making money at it and things go against you or turning against you for a couple day period or a week period or a month period to go over those numbers and remind yourself of how well you're doing on the, on the bigger picture of the longer term. Um, it's still something I do to this day. You know, there's times I've, I've had a bad two or three day run and it, it begins to weigh on me. And I feel like I'm, um, of course, you know, off of my all-time high, as they would say in the stock market. And I, I will go back through, you know, my previous month and I'll say, well, this is my return on investment that I've done over the last 30 days. This is what I've done over the last 90 days. This is what I've done over the last 10 years. Things are working and just stay the course. Um, I think it takes a lot of experience to be able to shake off the losses uh, I, I go back. I can't speak for everybody else, but for me, that was always the hardest part was to deal with losing and not get emotional in regards to not just, I guess, the money management, but also the way you handicap games. You know, if you bet the New England Patriots two weeks in a row and things didn't work out your way and those are losing wagers, um, you still have to just consider the Patriots as team a who's playing team b the next week and not start looking through them with angry eyes and looking for reasons to bet against them because they've let you down in the past and i guess to answer your question again it's just i think it really takes experience i don't know if many people are are born um right away with the with the kind of discipline that it takes to go through the the ebbs and flows of winning and losing at sports betting 
how do you address issues that you find? It might be certain deficiencies or there's some areas that, you know, like we've said, there's a wide spectrum of skill set required. How do you address things that you want to change or adapt over time? Is it, you mentioned a bit about trial and error. You said there's, you know, mentors in your life. Are there any other things that you can use to help identify and then correct or correct the course on certain things? Well, there's, you always have, no matter if it's sports betting or, or any other business venture that you're into to where, you know, you're not just following instructions from the boss and working for someone else, you, you always have a weakness. And I believe that if you always work on turning your weakness into a strength, that is the first place to start in, in improving what you're currently doing, no, that, no matter what level you're on, whether it be a beginner or you know, as a professional, it'd be the same for a basketball player or a football player. You know, the best of the best always look at what their weakness is, and they look to turn that into a strength. And and I go back to, for me, it was it was money management. That was, you know, through all my down years and and my learning process, money management was by far the biggest biggest problem. And I believe that now it's my biggest strength. I. I have a money management system that I will not break no, no matter what. And, um, it's really, really been the difference from the recreational beginning days to, to where I've, I've gotten to now. Do you mind taking us through a day in the life of, of Chris during a, an NFL Sunday or maybe just a regular midweek during NBA or baseball season? Sure. I'm, I'm an early bird. So I live on the East coast. Um, for baseball season so right now and then i'm in vegas for uh, football and basketball season but a normal day for me here on the east coast i i get up about 5 a.m 5 5 30 and have breakfast go to the gym work out there for about an hour and a half till about seven uh, i come home and review any of the games that i have not finished off handicapping from the night before i'm usually wrapped up with my handicapping for the day on a, um, on a normal day when baseball starts at 7 p.m i'm normally wrapped up with my handicapping by about 12 from there i i spend the day already i'm sorry i spend the afternoon already researching the next day's games until six or seven o'clock when the games come on i'll usually then you know i have two tvs going so i'm watching baseball for the night continually to work on the following day's card. And by the time that the games are wrapped up for the day, I usually have, I would say 70 to 80% of my bets for the following day already placed. And once the games are over for the night, I go to bed and get up, do it again the next day. How much game watching do you do? I watch games um, for baseball. I would say I spend Mm, seven hours a day you know i i usually watch two games at seven o'clock um sometimes we'll switch those games that you know when the eight or nine o'clock can start and i usually start two late games um for basketball and football i put film study is uh, much more of a component to my handicapping so for nfl i watch every game uh, every every week of course i can't watch them live but uh, i think it's called I have a package with um, NFL Network where I get the replays of all the games. So I make sure to watch all NFL games. And then for uh, NBA basketball, 
Uh, the same thing, I record every game, and um, whenever you watch them, you know, on that rewind replay, they cut out all the commercials and the huddling and timeouts and things like that so that you can sift through much quicker. And, and for NBA, I'm probably watching about 70 to 80% of the games. You mentioned earlier you did a lot of, you know, reading, reading excuse me, and studying and, and trying to develop your knowledge set. Do you continue to do that, or is that something that you leave for like the off season, or how much have you continued that throughout the years? At this point, I've sucked up so much information and and have really um, taken some good things and bad things and mixed them into my to my own formula. Um, I, I don't read nearly as much that I used to, and and, and don't follow um, other handicappers. Um, nearly as much as I used to because sometimes I, I feel like too much information and too too many changes um you know just because you make a change in the way you, you handicap games or try a new money management system doesn't mean it's better or that it's going to work so now that I have found something that works for me and has been profitable year after year I'm more into just fine-tuning what I'm doing and, and kind of staying in my own lane. So I don't research and study sports betting um, nearly as much as I used to. Uh, most of my reading and studying now has more to do with um, psychology and, and business and then trying to implement those things into this business. You, you watch a lot of films, so you must have – different areas that are relatively new that others might not have thought about or might not be thinking about? What are some of the things that when you're watching these games you're looking out for? Let's take NFL, for example, which is starting up shortly. Are there things you're watching for? Is it certain offensive line movement, certain personnel groupings, certain uh, things that, that jump out to you when you're watching a game? Yes, I, I and I take notes on this because you can't remember everything. This is I know we live in the computer age, but I'm still kind of old school and, and, liking, to, and liking to write things down um, just the way that I visualize. So I keep, a, just like an NFL team themselves would, I, I, I keep a folder, notebooks um, on every single team. And I watch them every week and take notes. Um, some of the things that I am looking for is the overall morale of the team. And, of course, how they react to, to adversity within the game. And then look for patterns to match up with their previous games to, to get an idea of, of where the psychology of the team is. Uh, another major thing and the reason why I think film study is so important, um, especially in NFL football compared to some other sports, is to look for outliers in the stats, rather it be rushing yards or passing yards, you know, just to keep things simple, um, is to look for outliers so that when you're breaking down games in the future and you're seeing what the team's, you know, passing yards per game are or, you know, yards after the catch, you understand why. Because sometimes those numbers are truly inflated just because of one game or two and the other team um, running cover zero defense in the second half against Tom Brady because they're down 21 to nothing and taking the run away even though they're up and they have to continually press the ball down the field easily on one-on-one matchups. And this, of course, is inflating some of their stats. Um, so I think it's imperative to take notes on 
pulling outliers, uh, you know, uh, using that passing yards, for example, would be the same thing for rushing yards. If you're watching, you know, the Denver Broncos and the Oakland Raiders on week one, and Oakland happens to have three 70-yard runs where the guy is untouched, he hits the hole, no one touches him, he runs 70 yards, and you, you do that three times. Well, that that game to me is kind of an outlier in regards to, you know, the Oakland Raiders rushing per play or, or, or per game. So I, I, I believe that because of the NFL having such few games that it's very important to watch these games and understand how those stats developed. Very interesting. We could probably talk about it for days and weeks and certainly with the season starting here shortly, it's a very exciting time for all the the NFL fans and the betters out there. So before I let you go, Chris, I just want to ask quickly about what you're hoping to achieve with sportspredictor.com and certainly the the you know major sports are coming back with NFL, college football, NBA season. So tell us a little bit about that. My number one goal and the reason why I decided to sign on with Sports Predictor is because I've I've been through the downtimes of sports gambling and and how devastating it is. Um especially to to new betters or people like myself who who have had bad experiences and are looking to turn the corner. So my number one goal is to educate people and sports betters on the long-term outlook and objective of building their bankroll without going broke. There you go. That's a that's a great mission statement and I want to thank you very much for all of your time uh, today, and I, I guess I better thank the 17 parlay you hit as well for uh, ah, yeah. bringing us here together, and it's obviously been a fascinating journey. Thanks for sharing some of the insights, and certainly wish you all the best with uh, with Sports Predictor and, and hopefully a winning NFL season this one and many more to come. Thanks, Jake. I appreciate it. 